The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in the same way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's only the middle of February and there's still plenty of snow on the ground, so it's not too big of a stretch for us to, to kind of go back to the Advent and Christmas season a little bit as, our, as kind of our entry into this powerful gospel reading that Luke has given us this morning. And why go back to the beginning, to the stories of, of uh, Advent and Christmas, you know, to catch up to Jesus when he's already an adult? Well, I'll tell you why, because those early stories that, God, that Luke uses, they are really kind of a preamble or a prologue to the rest of the gospel, and Luke loves to set into those, those stories all kinds of themes and ideas that he's going to use and uh, explore all through the gospel, clear to the very end and beyond into the Acts of the Apostles. And so where we want to go is to the principal star of those early stories, and that, of course, is little Mary. You know, little Mary of Nazareth, and she's this little girl who's a, being a typical little Jewish girl in Nazareth, and suddenly an angel appears to her and tells her that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah, and she says yes, and then she begins to be pregnant, and then, and then this is where the story becomes important for us. 
after some time she goes and walks her way, presumably all the way to Jerusalem, to a little village just outside of Jerusalem where her cousin Elizabeth lives. And Elizabeth is much older, but she also is with child. And so Mary knocks on Elizabeth's door and Elizabeth answers and they realize that, that something wonderful has happened to them and the two little babies in their wombs kind of give each other a high five through the womb and say, welcome to the world, cuz. And, and, and Mary and Elizabeth hug and embrace and then... Mary begins to sing. And this is what's so important. From the depths of her heart, from the depths of her spirit, from the depths of her soul, she begins to proclaim the glory of God and what he's done for her. And I kind of remember the words by heart, but I'm not 100% sure, so I just happen to have them here. And Mary's saying, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. And from this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Now if you're attentive and bright and know what I'm going to say next, then you'll catch that there's some real strong parallels between this hymn of Mary at the very beginning of the gospel and what Jesus teaches his first apostles once he's already done some miracles and some healings and some teaching and he finally chooses his team and they sit down and have their first formation conference. Mary begins by saying, well, my soul glorifies the Lord, yes. But she acknowledges that she is a lowly person. I'm just a little girl. I'm just a little girl from an unknown and insignificant little village in Galilee. So that's like three strikes against me already in, on the lowliness scale. You know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a girl. I have no standing in this culture and in this society, in this religion. I can't testify in courts. I can't speak in the synagogue. I, I can't do anything except be a girl, a woman. And, and beyond that, I'm a woman from, you know, this miserable little village that's so small and insignificant that it doesn't show up on any Roman maps of the time. It makes Capernaum look like a booming metropolis. And it's nothingsville. And on top of that, on top of all of that, you know, lowly Mary is lowly also. <laughs> Obviously because she's pregnant and there's no husband. Well, that's about as lowly as you can get in that culture. And yet she says, I am blessed by God. 
Blessed am I because God has done wondrous things for me. And you're going, now how does that add up? Because you're lowly and you're poor and you're humble and you've got nothing and you're a woman and you're pregnant without a husband. How is it that you are blessed? And she says back in her hymn, well, look at our history. You know, look at our history, what God does for his people. From the very beginning, he gives Sarah a child in her old age. Sterile, though everybody thought she was, because of her faith, her lowliness. She allows her, he, he allows her people, to, his people, to, to be freed from the slavery of the Egyptians and brings them through the desert. And when they're hungry, he feeds them. And when they're thirsty, he gives them to drink. And, and he gives them grace, and he gives them life, and he gives them himself because they are the poorest of the poor, because they are so lowly, because they are so small and ignominious. <laughs> That's the story of our people. God is a God who protects and cares for and feeds and nourishes and walks with the poor and the lowly. And the grandees and the big shots and the powerful and the big kings, they get knocked off their thrones and they don't have anything in the end. But we, poor though we may be, hungry though we may be, we've always got our feet firmly planted in the living waters of God's love and grace and blessings. That's why I'm blessed. Oh, beautiful hymn beautiful hymn. It's obviously Mary's spirituality. It's Mary's theology. It's, it's how she has listened to her religion classes in the synagogue all these years and brought them into her heart and made them her own. This is Mary's, Mary's heart being shared with us in this hymn before Elizabeth. And we know, of course, that Mary was a very good mother because obviously she's taught the same thing to Jesus. Jesus grew up learning these lessons from Mary, not just like court of empty classes, but from the heart, from the depths of his being. He understands too what Mary has taught with her hymn and with her life. He's grown up in the school of lowliness and blessings. We find that when Jesus has chosen finally the 12 of his many disciples, and he says, okay, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and all the rest, you're my men. You're my guys. You're my team. So let's sit down here and talk about what that means. And the first thing he gives them is not a bunch of rules. The first thing he gives them is not a bunch of laws. He doesn't review with them the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say to them, this is what I expect of you in terms of your behavior and this is the moral code that I'm going to make sure you stand by and if you make any mistakes, woe betide you. Instead, he offers them as the foundation of everything, underneath everything, the lessons of Mary's hymn. Who in this society is blessed by God. 
And everybody would say, oh, of course we know the answer to that. People who are blessed by God are like the high priests in the temple, and then the Pharisees because they're smart, and the Sadducees because they're almost as smart, and of course the rich people, and the people who do nice businesses, and the people who live in the big cities, and the people who got everything, the people who don't have to suffer, the people who have enough food, those are the people blessed by God. And Jesus says, echoing his mother, wrong. Wrong answer. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are you when you weep and you feel sadness and things don't go right in your life. Blessed are you even when some powerful person is holding your head under the water while they're receiving applause from the crowds beyond. Blessed are you when you're kicked around. Blessed are you when you're the scourge of others. Blessed are you when you are oppressed and persecuted. That's who's blessed in this new way I'm teaching you. And this is kind of a rebellion thing here. This is pretty radical. This is kind of a revolution. Not because it's not the history of his own people, but because we human beings have this bad habit of always sort of leaving behind those early lessons of the scriptures of who's blessed, the poor, the broken, the hungry, the oppressed. And we have this nasty habit of beginning to say, ah, God loves that person because they're rich. God loves that person because they never had to suffer. God must be really in love with that person because they got so much food, they can eat all they want. They've never had to suffer. They've never had to weep. They've never had any tragedies in their life. God has surely blessed them or us. And Jesus is countering that and saying that's not God's way, actually. So, if the poor are blessed and the lowly are blessed and the humble are blessed in God's kingdom, blessing meaning rooted in God's grace, experiencing joy and peace, not just human happiness, but joy and peace inside ourselves because of God's grace in us, this kind of blessing, if this belongs to the poor and the hungry and the persecuted and the weeping, then what of those other people? And when Jesus says the word woe, it's only three little letters, but it's always a big word when it comes out of his mouth. Woe are the rich. Woe are those who are satisfied with so much bread they don't need to worry about it. Woe are the people who laugh now, who've got all the jokes in the world, never have to, that are entertaining and cool, and fun. Woe are those who are so proud of themselves that they feel that they can hold down others to make themselves bigger. Woe are the kings. Woe are the high priests. Woe are the Pharisees and the Sadducees to the extent that they got so much that they don't need God anymore. They've got so much food that they not, don't hunger for spiritual life anymore. They're so proud and so arrogant and so full of themselves that they've made themselves gods. 
and no longer see the real God who's at the root of everything, nor enjoy his blessings and his grace. Now, Jesus isn't talking about bank accounts here. He's talking about heart accounts. He's talking about what goes on inside us. And he's also projecting out to what's going to happen to him in about two and a half years hence when he goes to Jerusalem and those proud and satisfied and arrogant people take him and what? Make him poorer even than he is? Deny him water and food? Scourge him and laugh at him and spit at him? Persecute him and eventually hang him on a cross and kill him? Woe to those who have a hand in all that because they do not have their feet planted in the rivers of God's grace. This, of course, is Jesus teaching his disciples the interpretive key for understanding their past, going all the way back to Abraham. And he uses the spirituality of his mother's hymn to also give them the key to understanding the future, what's going to happen to him, and what eventually, of course, will happen to them. It's a reminder that where we find, as human beings, our peace, our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our life, our love, is either blessing or woe. If we have so much that we don't need God, if we're so proud of ourselves that we've made ourselves little gods, then we are like that bush in the desert that Jeremiah speaks of, which is dead. But if we are lowly enough and humble enough and hungry enough and have experienced enough of life's difficulties and ups and downs to know that we cannot save ourselves, that we are not little gods and goddesses, that in our poverty, in our lowliness, in our hunger, in our weeping, even in our oppression, God blesses us with his grace and his joy and his peace. And then the hymn of Mary is one that we sing with her and her son Jesus every day of our lives. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior.